0: This is episode number 538 with number one New York Times bestselling author, Brendan Burchard. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur, and each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. William Shakespeare said, be as great in act as you have been in thought. We have a powerful one today, my friends. Brendan is widely considered the world's leading high performers coach. He is also one of the most watched, quoted, and followed personal development trainers in history. He is a top 100 most followed public figure on Facebook, and his videos have been viewed more than 100 million times. He is a number one New York Times, a number one Wall Street Journal, number one Amazon, and number one USA Today bestselling author. And his latest book is High Performing Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. Success Magazine also named Brandon as one of the top 25 most influential leaders in personal growth and achievement, along with Oprah, Joel Olstein, Ariana Huffington, Dave Ramsey, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, and Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg. Wow. I have uh, seen Brendan's work for many, many years and seen all the incredible things he's done in the online marketing, online business world, but also as an author, speaker, trainer. He's just really impacted so many people with his message. And today we talk about why creativity is not strongly correlated with high performance Which is something that brendan originally thought was also the six habits of high performers so if you want to be high performing in any area of life these are the six habits you're going to need brendan's three questions he asks himself every single morning and why that's important why you don't have to be cool to gain influence in the world also the first thing that brendan coaches fortune 50 ceos to do every time. That and so much more. You guys are in for a special treat. Make sure to click a screenshot on your phone right now and share this out on your Instagram story. Tag me at Lewis Howes and Brendan Burchard. Post this on Twitter and Facebook right now. I connect with everyone who tags me on your Instagram story. I'll send you a DM back. If I can see it within 24 hours, I will connect back to you. So message me right now and let Brendan know that you're listening as well. I want to give a shout out to the review of the week. And this is from Rising Health, who said, I'm just blown away time and time again at the level of greatness that each guest has to offer and for Lewis's ability to connect and bring out the true essence of his guest message. Bravo. Well, thank you so much, Rising Health. I appreciate it. And if you guys want a chance to be considered for the review of the week, make sure to go to iTunes right now on the podcast app and leave us a review for the School of Greatness podcast. All right, guys, prepare yourselves to unleash your greatness even more. Let me introduce to you the one, the only Brendan Burchard. off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20pureleaf. That's promo code 20pureleaf for 20% off.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com businessgoldcard business gold card.
0: weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We have an exceptional human being, <laughs> Brendan Bouchard in the house. Good my to see man. you, my man. Such an honor I'm to be very, here. I'm very excited for Me this. Me too. This is one of the, you said this is one of the first interviews you've done in, in years. Yeah. You've got a. you know, at the time this is coming out, you'll have tons of interviews, but uh, we're doing this well in advance. And I'm excited to talk about your new book, among many things, which is called High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. So if you haven't already picked this up, I've already been talking about it. Make sure you go get it right now on Amazon. You can go to brendan.com. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go anywhere where books are sold. Get this book. You spent the last two, three years researching yeah. consistently, constantly on how people become extraordinary. Yeah. And I'm, I'm obsessed with greatness. I know, and how, you love this stuff. That's why I knew great. this interview was going to be amazing. Yes. It's like,
1: we could vibe on this all day long. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I probably haven't done the in-detailed research, like the scientific, yeah. you know, Harvard-backed studies the way you have. Yeah. So I'm excited to, to tap into this and really understand why... And how people can become great at anything that they want to do in their personal life, their relationships, financially, whatever it may be their dream is. And I know you've paved the way with this. So I'm very excited about this. But you have
1: written three number one New York Times bestsellers or two? Uh, Three New York Times bestsellers. This is the sixth book. And uh, all all five previous books were number one on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or something like that. So we've we've been at it. And this is, you know, people always say, well, you're the YouTube guy or you're the Facebook guy. I'm like, I'm a writer. Mm Mm-hmm. I only learned marketing or or doing stuff like this so I could support the writing. Of course, well, you've so, done you've done a great job of marketing yourself.
0: You're, thanks. I think, one of the top. What is it? Top one hundred most followed public figures on Facebook. Yeah. How many millions of followers do you have on your personal page now? Uh,
1: Five million on my personal page. Ten million Total, across all, all of our all, pages. All pages, yeah. So we have pages like motivation for smart people. You know, which is not my face on it, but that's my page. Of motivation. So yeah, yeah, yeah kind that. of it, it's it's been surprising, but this is the first in-depth interview I've done in probably four years. Mm, amazing. And so we talked about that a little bit you know, course, this morning yeah, at breakfast. Yeah. It's just like, this is not what I usually do because I'm usually the guy out there teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm learning to step out a little bit more and share a little more of my personal background and stories because that mm. really hasn't been the thrust of my books and work. Right. So that's been a big part of yeah. you know, wanting to do this. And I love your show so much. I appreciate it. I was so excited for this because you're one of the few guys – out there doing podcasts who's talking about holistic greatness. Right. You know, it's not a a tactic or a a hack hack. here. Yeah, Yeah, it's relationships. I mean, you you talk about relationships, you talk about making a difference, and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. podcasters that never say the word service, which drives me insane. Mm -hmm. They never say the word love, and like, that's real life. You know, even with high performers, we'll talk about some of the research behind it, but a lot of people think it's lonely at the top or they think that high performers are, you know, obsessive, crazy maniacs. What we found is high performers have extraordinarily positive emotions and positive relationships. So it's a complete myth that the top, you know, 5%, 10%, 15% somehow have, you know, are lonely or more divorced than other people, Mm -hmm. or it's just not true. Mm. They cared about relationships, which is one reason I love your show is that, I mean, what would high performance or achievement or greatness be if you didn't have somebody to share it with or you didn't give back? But that's what a lot of the podcasters talk about, It's this tactic. Mm-hmm. or it's I'm, I'm talking right, about right, right. world-class performance, but I'm not going to talk about marriage or relationships. I'm like, mm-hmm. try to have world-class performance without a supportive spouse. Go for it, dude. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, powerful. I'm excited
0: about this, man. Before I, I kind of dive into about all the habits and the stuff you learned and what you're going to share today... I got a confession. Yeah. Confession. Love it. Um, I you
1: can't j- have your money back.
0: You can- no. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: No, here's my confession. I'm going to be honest for a second because I don't think I've ever done this on the show. Uh, I judged you for many years uh. when I first learned about you. And it's, I think it's because I didn't meet you and I didn't hear about you from other people. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm glad you're doing more media right now. Yeah. And opening up and having the vlog come out here because I think because I didn't know enough about you personally, besides what you shared was like the stories, the same stories. Yeah. I was like, I don't know enough about him to like feel him out, to feel comfortable yet. Yes. To have like a positive, I was kind of neutral. I was like, I don't know if I like him or I don't yeah, like him. Yeah. So I want to I want to say I apologize for judging you because yeah. it's, uh, you know, you're completely opposite of what I had no clue what I was thinking about in my mind for – Uh, For for some time, and uh, you know everything that you've done has exceeded the expectation of so many people, and you continue to serve at a high level. And I think that's what's powerful to talk about is service. Yeah, is sure we have all our own stuff we're all working on all the time, but you have stepped up to serve so many people, and you've committed to learning the things you need to learn to reach more people with powerful messages. Yes, and uh, I, I usually acknowledge my guests at the end, but I want to acknowledge you now for your level of commitment to putting yourself out there, serving people, giving great information, spending two years in a dungeon to to (laughs) research like how to help more people. Yeah. And yes, you're benefiting me as well. You run a business just like myself. So we're all going to benefit. Yeah. But I think your level of commitment to your mission is what really stands out to me. And the more I get to hang out with you and know you, it's like I really
1: enjoy our time together. So I hope we get to
0: spend more time together. Yeah, me too. Hope you accept my apology for judging. I don't think, even though you didn't know I was doing
1: it. But I get that all the time. So you know, our our great example, our our seminars. You know, two thousand people from forty countries around the world. Half of them show up, and they're like,
2: "Who are you?" (laughs) Like I've watched his
1: YouTube, or I've seen his Facebook. But I tell people. I would say my most vulnerable place is usually on stage. So people Mm -hmm. have seen me on stage. They always go, oh my God, I didn't know you were like that. And part of that reason isn't because um, I'm I'm like scared of sharing my life. Mm -hmm. It's because of what I do. Like I said, my first move, I'm a writer. My second move is I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. Both of those things are kind of behind the scenes. And so when it comes time, when Instagram came out, everyone's like, why aren't you on Instagram yet? I'm like, dude, because... I'm not. I don't really show that part of my life, or I don't have a lot of pictures with a, a lot of the celebrities that we work with because I sign NDAs and I sign you know confidentiality agreements so I can work with them and get in their personal lives. I've always been the guy who gets into people's personal lives and helps them through it. Never then like turn it to selfie and say, well, this is what I'm going through. Yeah. And in some ways, though, that was a mistake because I think I was just. I've always believed. In a role like mine, I'm a writer, I'm a coach, and I'm a trainer. My job is to share things that are relevant to the teaching point. So it's what am I trying to teach? Now I'll share case studies about my life or some research, uh, but it's pretty limited towards only what I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. And people sign up for me to teach a very specific thing. So they're not seeing the whole picture of my life, they're just learning that specific thing. So I think it also left a lot of people going, Okay, he's super successful, but I don't know anything about him. Right, right. And that created It's hard to st- trust people you don't know anything about. <laughs> yes. And or you read the Motivation Manifesto, right? There is no Brendan in that book. Mm. The publisher turned famously turned down the book. We had a two million dollar book deal. I turn in the book and the editor goes, What the hell is this? You you wrote it like it's, you know, seventeen seventy six you're not there's not one story of you in here your audience wants to know about you i'm like yeah but that's not what i'm writing for mm-hmm. i'm writing for the art and so they said we can't publish and we can't mar- this book is unmarketable so you wrote a two million dollar check back <laughs> wrote it back which is painful because i already spent it <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um but, but uh, then you
0: went and sold a million copies
1: yeah then we went into 30 weeks uh, 32 weeks on the New York Times best crazy, seller man. list it's after crazy. they turned it down. With no
0: publisher. Well, I guess you had like a- Yeah, a, we went to Hay House yeah, and yeah. they
1: supported it and distributed wow. it and did a great job on it and I love them and their community really got behind mm-hmm. the book because they knew I wrote it for the art, not for the, I didn't sell out on the book. It was, this was my artistic, my art has never been like talking about Brendan. My art has been, I want to teach, but I want to teach in a way that really hits you in the heart mm-hmm. and gives you habits that you can implement in your life. But- That also took me out of the picture a little bit because I didn't want to be the guru. I didn't want to be, you know, I'm from Montana. We're pretty private there. Mm -hmm. And one of our main sayings there is, you know, the time to have the map is before you enter the woods. So I just wanted to hand people the map. I didn't want to hand people like, look at me. Um, I also had a, a, a big influence from my high school journalism teacher. And she said, there's two kinds of people. One who walks into a room and goes, here I am. And the other person walks into the room and goes, there you are. And so I've always been more like, kind of like you, I want to ask people questions and Mm -hmm. curious. So my focus has always been outwards and not in. I think that did cost me some trust in the marketplace because people are like, I just don't know him. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping with the book, I added some more stories. (laughs) I also know the number one criticism of this book is going to be, when he talks about extraordinary people, really the only stories in here are about himself. And I let the data... And the research and the strategies speak for themselves. Mm. Yeah. Because I don't think, um, I even say it in the book, I think if, if you want personal profiles of extraordinary people, I'm like, go listen to podcasts. Right? You know, They should listen to yours. Mine is more, this is very strategic. This is what to do. And I think there'll be some criticism because I do share a lot of my uh, habits in here. Mm-hmm. But I also hope that it gives people a little more insight into wow. my life. Let's get into
0: some of the habits. What are What are some of the key habits then? That you yeah. that maybe you thought were like the habits of really extraordinary people, but actually they weren't them. And yeah. then the new ones they're okay. like, oh, I didn't realize that that was actually yeah. a key habit. Yeah, I always thought it was something
1: else, and but it's actually this thing. Yeah, uh, I was wrong a <laughs> lot. So background of the book: this is the world's largest study of high performers ever done. We have data from 195 countries. We surveyed and found the data set we pulled was from first my audience, mm-hmm. um, we know which is over 10 million fans and followers, but also a lot of people don't know, I've graduated, o- over 2 million people have registered for my online courses or video series. Crazy. And over 100 million video views. Well, we scraped all of the comments, scraped all the user feedback, wow. did a huge data set of just what are people struggling with? What do they say works? What helps them break through? That gave me an initial kind of data set of like, I think this is what really works i've been teaching this most of this stuff for 10 years too and i've been coaching it so i had i had my personal opinions mm-hmm. and i had about probably 20 or 30 from that data set and 10 years coaching i was like it's probably about these 15 or 20 habits mm-hmm. and i thought it was by the way all of them right and there's also
0: but, a lot of other books about habits out yes. there. there's stephen cubby's yeah. book there's the power of habit there's lots of books on habit so this is a whole nother thing it's
1: like why another book on habits yes yeah. but there was always a big hole Either there wasn't research into which habits empirically proven to move the needle, Mm -hmm. or it was just kind of, uh, you know, because it was shared from a personal perspective, or it was just about how to set habits. The question is, which habits have proven to move the needle towards high performance over and over? Because high performance means succeeding beyond standard norms consistently over the long term. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to measure that to know. And so there's six of them. And that's what this book is about. There's, it's split, which I didn't plan on, into personal habits and social habits. And there's things in there, uh, and i will we'll get to those, but to, to answer your question of like what I thought would be, I thought things like, oh, this, will, this one will piss you off, piss me off. <laughs> Creativity is not strongly correlated with high performance. Mm. And if you told me that seven years ago, I would have fought with you for like two or three hours. But then uh, in one interview with one of the world's largest uh, CTOs, Chief Technology Officer, he said, Brennan you know, they're, they're a top 10 brand in the world. So if we, we don't, uh, he said, my team, he said, I'm not creative. My team's not creative, but we know how to execute and scale. And execution and scale is really important to long-term high performance. Creativity might get you in the game, but a lot of people are creative, but can't work their way out of a bag. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I would argue that forever. Cause I'm a creative, I'm a writer and a coach. and tra- I would have never thought that, um, age, nationality, ethnicity. And here's a big one. Compensation. Here's a big one. Personality. Here's a big one, strengths. They are not correlated strongly with high performance. Some of them have weak correlations. Mm-hmm. And all those things, by the way, because if academics are listening to that, they're like, no, he's wrong. <laughs> and this is tied towards high performance. It's not that those aren't important. Those things can shape your mood. They can shape you know, mm-hmm. uh, lots of important life outcomes, well-being, health, happiness. But when we're talking about high performance, those are less important than these six. And what I keep telling people is, I'm not saying those aren't important. These just happen to be more important. So the six habits, you want me to do those? Sure, yeah, yeah. So the personal habits, and these are the ones that move the needle the most. Number one, high performers, you like this one, high performers seek clarity more often than their peers. Mm. And what that means for them is every situation they go into, they're seeking clarity and setting intention. And it's not like once in a while, they're doing it way more often. It's like, uh, uh, you, you know, I've been blessed to work with Oprah Winfrey. When she has a meeting, at the start of every meeting, she asks, what's our intention here? Mm. What's the intention of this meeting? Not what's the agenda? What do I do? What's the intention? That's every meeting. So she's mm. seeking clarity at the beginning of every meeting. That's why she's so amazing, right? If you think about her whole career, she was always trying to have people seek clarity on who they were so they could be themselves. That's what high performers are doing. They just do it more often. They seek clarity before they shoot that video, before they have the podcast interview. Um, but specifically, we found three practices help you get better at seeking clarity. Uh, number one, they are seeking clarity in what we call the future four. So you've probably heard that successful people are more future-minded. Mm-hmm. It's true. And specifically what they're looking at, if you talk to a high performer, they're more clear about um, who do I want to be in this upcoming situation. And by the way, it's not about who I am it's about who do I want to be. They're more future-oriented. They're more intentional about who they want to be in social situations. So it's like, I want to have this type of interaction with Lewis today. Mm-hmm. That, that's intentional. They're more clear about what skills they need to develop mm. to reach their next level of success. Right. Here's how you really know an underperformer. Open up their calendar and look for any evidence that they have planned their own curriculum for greatness if they don't have classes or courses, if, they, if they're if they not actively skill building, there's no chance of high performance. Mm. I mean, maybe they can dumb luck into it for initial success, but high performance is long-term success. You got to be building your Constantly growing, constantly yes. learning, constantly growing. Being aware of that. And the last of the future four is, I know the service I want to provide in the future. Talk to any high performers, I'm sure you've interviewed, they kind of know the service and the difference they want to make. Maybe not precisely, but they're asking the question. Mm-hmm. So that's some of what we know. They they seek clarity. Um, and that's kind of the first practice is asking questions in those areas. Mm-hmm. And the other two real fast is uh, when you're seeking clarity, they're more clear about the feeling they want to have. Like an Olympic sprinter who's won gold is more likely to have said before he went or she went on the track, how do I want to feel out there? Not like just the result, like when I, mm-hmm. when the foot's in the block and I'm, arms down like what do I want to feel mm-hmm. like they're very aware of the feeling they're trying to get yeah I don't want to feel nervous and stressed I want to feel calm and yes clear and smooth and yes you know, yeah. and they're they're doing that self-talk which mm-hmm. is seeking clarity and then the last one which is really important they're they're clear about what's meaningful to them now and what might be different in the future which is something I didn't know until we did a lot of the interviews or the conversations is uh a lot of people kind of know what I like now. They know what their passion is. But it's like, what's going to be meaningful to you later? Like in five years? They've thought about that. They, you know, I would say they, they, you know, they've done the work. So that's just the first habit. Mm. And so the book kind of opens with, with that story of like finding what's – we all have to decide who we are and what we want and how to get it at this stage of our life.
0: Already included, But you don't take yada yada in life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly, or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game
1: you know, reaching high performance can be really hard. Yeah. It's all about clear vision for me. It's the first chapter in my book is the greatest leaders in the world have a clear vision. Love that. Yeah. That's it. And they got that vision by seeking clarity. Yes. That was the habit that gave them the vision. Mm -hmm. They were consistently seeking, like, how do I, what do I, I mean, they ask themselves more questions. Mm -hmm. That's one of our findings. They literally are doing more of the self-talk, asking more of the questions, which is so important. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah.
1: And and you, I love how you talked about this. You say the world cares less about your strengths
0: and personality than about your service and meaningful contributions. Then mm-hmm. why do so many of us focus on our strengths and personality? Yeah, oh, think?
1: that was a huge finding. I, and I would—that's another one. I would have completely freaked out on anybody. <laughs> Strength
0: finders, all these other books yes. out there.
1: You know, it's like yes, we focus on our strengths. And unfortunately, one that's in the history of personal development, that is the greatest false dichotomy that mm-hmm. ever has ever been. Focus mm-hmm. on your strengths. Or it's like, you have to do both. You have to do both. But what we found in our research, which surprised me, high performers do not report working on their strengths any more than regular people. Mm-hmm. So that's not what gives them the edge. Uh, one of the chapters opens up with this guy. He wrote this email, really highly successful guy. And he wrote this email to me, says, you know, and I'd put him through all this. I'd put him through StrengthsFinder, the Berkman, uh-huh. the Colby, the Myers-Briggs, yeah, put him yeah. after everything. This is one of my first coaching clients ever. I knew everything about him. We knew all his background. He did all the. I mean, did all the homework. Had his peer review. You know, his 360 assessments from work. And then I watched him fail for two years. Mm. And he wrote me this email, and he said, "Brendan, stop telling me like what successful people are like, because we know my strengths. So I'm not getting ahead, and start telling me what they do. And that's what this book became out. It's like, what do you need to do? Mm. Because And in this email he wrote this, which is where that finding came from, he said this was so good. Listen to this line. He said, as a leader, I have to be honest with myself that my mission and vision should never be made to bow down to my limited human strengths. I should have to rise up to my mission or vision. The strengths aren't the relevant thing. Is The question is, what is necessary for me to develop into to reach that mission.
2: Mm.
1: It's like, your strengths are great, and right. it's like, yes, of course do your strengths, but that's kind of like what I tell people is like, uh, <laughs> if it, let's imagine you have a bear, and that bear wants to go on top of this cliff over here, and it's never been on the cliff, and it wants to get that new honey up there, mm-hmm. right? telling the bear to focus on the strengths to go somewhere it's never gone before and do something it's never done before is stupid it's like saying (laughs) hey you know what just try being more of a bear right (laughs) (laughs) if i just you say brendan i got this big new vision i just say just try being more of lewis Mm -hmm. i mean it's a spiritual level that feels good Mm -hmm. but you and i both know you're gonna have to develop far beyond your comfort zones and strengths are typically comfort zones yeah we got to overcome that and go to the next level. And develop new
0: skills and overcome certain fears and all these other things that are going to help us get to the next level. Is yes. that right? Or? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. The whole conversation of beyond the comfort zone really requires us to go beyond our strengths. Mm-hmm. It really requires that us. That is go. our comfort zone. That is our comfort zone. What we already know, what we're good at. And the yeah. problem with all the strengths finder and all of the strengths based movement is the assumption, and they're all written academically this way based on what are called innate strengths. And innate strength is the assumption that you had that from birth. And that those innate strengths are what you focus on. And I'm like, well, if you had it at birth, you probably had it when you were 15 years old too. So if it's innate, you had it at 15. Are the strengths you had at 15 sufficient to serve you at 50? Mm. Hell no. You need to develop beyond what's innate and go to a whole other level. And so uh, I take on strengths in in the book in that way. uh, because, But I also say it almost doesn't matter because a lot of people have strengths and they suck at work because they're not doing these habits. Mm. A lot. I mean, how many people do you and I know who are amazingly sure, sure. strong and they, their strengths finders are amazing and they don't do anything all day?
0: That's it. Yeah. A lot of people. I mean, I, people. in the sports world, there's a lot of great, talented people who had the greatest gifts, but they still weren't able to, to win. Yeah. Or they were lazy or they wouldn't, you know, hustle or sacrifice their body because they just relied on their talents, yep. their strengths. Yeah. And so they were never able to get to the championship game or get on the best teams because. Man, said it. And they had all the talent in the world. And you're just like, if I was as gifted as this person, I would be incredible. Yes, you know? Yes. I and mean, that's the um, whole
1: thing about the talent code mm-hmm. or a lot of new, sort of, newer research and performance. It just says what's more important is what you do with what you got to develop into the vision of the mission you need to serve. Mm-hmm. And so the book kind of lays out a lot of the science behind that yeah. and then goes into, you know, obviously most of it's oriented towards the six habits. Mm-hmm. So in terms of clarity, what is that habit that you take on on a daily or
0: monthly basis with habit, uh, with clarity? What do you think about? You're like every morning, what am I clear about? Or, yeah. you know, how uh, do you apply that habit to your life?
1: Uh, I apply it in a couple ways. First, for me, uh, every situation I go into, I'm consistently asking like, what, what's the feeling I want to hear? have here if you ever see me teach it's often i would say bring the joy so i have joy triggers that i've set up in my mind that makes me more intentional mm. about things so for example i have a door frame trigger whenever i walk through a door i say bring the joy so when i walk through that door right there mm. it's like bring the joy into this room it's just a, it's just a mental trigger that i've set up mm-hmm. for myself mm-hmm. every morning in the shower i ask myself three questions and not that I shower every morning, but <laughs> <laughs> the ones I do. I, the first question I say, "What can I be excited about today?" So it forces me to be clear about what's going to draw joy, enthusiasm from me. Mm-hmm. Number two, I say, "What might trip me up today?" Because usually I know what's going on in the day. I'm like, "What what might mess me up? What might where am I not perform well? What might bother me?" And number three, I say, "What can I do to surprise somebody today?" Hmm. to give a gift of appreciation or acknowledgement today. And so I think through that in the morning. So I think that helps me begin my day pretty clear. Um, then when I sit down before I do work, I literally look at my calendar of the day. I is this morning. And I look at whatever's going on in the day and I think about it for 20 minutes. It's one of my 20-minute routines in the morning. I literally think about my calendar hmm. for 20 minutes a day. People think that's crazy. But what I'm thinking through when I'm looking at the calendar, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have that call. What do I want to happen on that call? You know, what's my intention for that call? What's my goal for that call? What's the feeling for that call? How do I want to end that call? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mean, going to have that time with Lewis. Like, how do I want to be there? And, and, and how can I make sure I enjoy it? Because it's a big deal. Mm. You know, I love your show. I, I want to do a good job. I, I want to share something good for the people, even though I have no idea what you're going to ask. In, right, right. In this. I just, I want, I want to be present for that and, and make sure I, I, I'm I'm really there, even though maybe I have a head cold today. You know, it's like, th- th- it's like just thinking through it. I think that helps me. It keeps me asking questions. Every Sunday, I do a life arenas assessment. That just means I think there's 10 areas of our life and I score myself in them. Mm-hmm. And this is about my 11th year of doing this. Wow. So each area of my life, you know, from, from emotional quality to happiness, to relationships, to time, to hobby, etc. I just give myself a score of one to 10. And one means I suck, <laughs> and I, I was horrible in the previous week on that. Ten means I did a good job, and then I ask, how can I do better? Mm-hmm. It's my Sunday routine,
2: yeah.
1: and it just keeps me clear. And it's not like I don't sometimes, like everyone else, you know, wonder what's going on or what I'm doing, but those habits, those were my habits. You have to establish your own for seeking clarity, right. but when you have them, you weaponize your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, Yeah. Clarity, powerful
0: thing. Without clarity, it's hard to achieve a dream. Yeah. It's hard to to get better, it's hard to grow and, and be a high performer.
1: Yeah, no clarity, no change. That's it. No goals, no growth. That's it. Go ahead.
0: Uh, the second one that I see here is energy. Yeah. What do you mean by energy? Uh
1: so in the way we
0: peak energy, high, high energy all day long. Yeah, no, just... it's not
1: caffeinated energy, yeah, but yeah. uh, uh it, it it's it's the the habit is generate energy. Mm, okay. Not necessarily have energy. Create energy. Create energy. And what they do, the way we measure that was kind of academic. Mental energy, which is tied to your focus and your stamina and your ability to manage complex tasks without too much mental stress. Uh, number two is emotional energy, which is just the quality of your positive emotions. And number three is physical energy. High performers are 40% more likely to work out five times per week than the rest of their peers. So that means the top 15% most high-performing people in the world tend to work out five days per week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that workout could be defined as, you know, 45-minute brisk walk or, you know, hit intensity or whatever it is. But 40% more likely. That's a huge finding. And what we found is high performers just have better well-being and happiness and physical conditioning than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, One stunning finding was – CEOs, senior executives, and business owners, they report expending as much energy as athletes who are competitive now. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of I was surprised by that. I would have thought, you know, athletes would be ten percent more. I mean
0: the emotional and mental energy yeah. they have to the decision making, the conversations, the big
1: deals, the stakeness. Yeah. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot. And that's why I mean if you really want to achieve your dreams, you have to care for your body yeah your mind it's why all these things you know finally resonating in the marketplace because the science of meditation or taking a break or you know uh, managing your own energy sleep is everything yeah Um, and I think all of that is really important and Mm. we say generate energy because there's this myth that you know some people have happiness or they have it's like no you generate you don't have happiness you generate it yeah you create it and so the quality of your energy you have to create. Like you and I both, I mean, if most of our audience knew our schedules, your schedule, the last five days, is like, yeah, yeah. how is Lewis even able to focus <laughs> yeah. right now? And how are you able to get here and, and do this as well? Yeah, yeah. But it's because we say, well, this is our mission. Mm-hmm. Show up, man. Yeah, you it. know, there's plenty of times I got to imagine you walked on the field and you were like, I'm, Spent, Exhausted, you know. Yeah, yeah. I remember you like flew down to compete in yeah, South I still America. Play with,
0: yeah, I still play with the USA team handball yeah. uh, team, and a year ago I I flew down to. I remember I did an interview in Miami, and then flew out from Miami, and then went and just went right into training camp, and then oh. played against Brazil, which is like you know Olympic. Olympic qualifiers and yeah, got our asses booked, but it was fun, you know. But I had to have clarity, and energy, show up. And show up, even when I was like, "Oh, we're gonna lose." Yeah, like there's zero chance. Yeah, it was like the worst team in the NBA playing like the, the
1: Warriors, and we were just like, we had no chance. Yeah, but I had to show up and give my best. And and yeah. you have to set all these routines. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the the amount of routines that Tom Brady has in his life oh, so that he can generate energy. It's unbelievable. Stuns most people. It's unbelievable. And that's just the, that's the that's thing. what it takes if you want to be at that level. If you don't want to be at that level, you don't have to do it. Yeah, you don't have to do it. I mean, everybody can just, like, well, I'm going to go, you know, hit the Cinnabon, but it's like, uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty like, good. <laughs> how do you want to feel at three o'clock? Yes. If you want to feel amazing at three o'clock, don't end lunch with a Cinnabon. You know what's like, crazy? Like, you have
0: to. <laughs> gosh, it's crazy. Like, I'm 34 now, and I, w- I could eat, like, sugar and bad food for oh my gosh. all my 20s, right? Yeah. And now when I go off of sugar for like a month and then I just binge for a day, it's like, I literally can't walk. In a day. <laughs> my know. back is like, so it's stiff. Sugar like, oh my gosh. Like my whole body is exhausted. Inflammation. So much inflammation. Yes. Once I cut it out and then I bring it back, I'm like,
1: yeah, Oh, I feel so old. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I, dude, I'm the same way. at My seminars, like I, you know, we do four day event and it's just me. Whoof. I usually have one or two big names come in, but it's me 12 hours a day, four days. Teaching. And I never sit down high energy. I never yeah. sit down on stage. And super high energy. I mean, really going for it. Not just the clapping and the jumping, mm-hmm. but really just spending heart. You know how hard it is. That's of course. Funny. And uh, I had to about the same time. When I was 35, I had a, a, a famous strength and conditioning coach backstage. He works with me and Usher. And and he uh, he's like, what do you eat back here? And you know, another guy came in and strapped the heart rate monitor machine. He goes, I'm equivalently burning, uh, equivalently working out at the marathon level every day. For four days, mm. they're like you're not eating. I was losing on average eleven pounds in my Crazy. seminars every, and I do eight events a year, so I was losing eighty eight pounds a year. You know, uh. and it was like uh, it's horrible for your health. So I had to learn how to eat. I had to learn. I do ice baths every night at my mm. events, mm. which smart. No one loves to Dude. do that. I but- here's the thing.
0: I used to do it every day in football like during the season yeah, and we, it sucks for the first month, but then
1: you start to love it. Yes. Yeah. Ha- I have to do it.
0: You know what I mean? It's like, yes. you just start to, ah, it feels so good. So
1: feels so good after stage, you know, it's, it's the like best. 12 hours. So those are, no one says I want a habit of taking an ice bath at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But if I want to be high performing on stage, that's the choice. Yeah. Now, obviously, people listening, you know, consult your doctor. Of all course. Law, yeah, but, yeah. 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 And don't do it for 10 minutes. <laughs> don't right, stay in right. for a half hour. Yeah. Right, right. So, but all those things, you have to. You so, have what energy. are your habits for energy? And the funny thing is, you sit down with high performers, they know them. They can tell you, I do this, 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 this. And you're like, man, you're on your game. You got it down.
0: Yeah. And they're always probably looking to improve it.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They're always, but they're very Tweaking. aware of it. And they, and they, what I found was they get pissy if they're off it. Yeah, of course. I didn't
0: meditate this morning and I was like, you know, I was kind of frustrated a little bit. Someone asked me when we were at our meeting today at the Soul House, he was like, how was your meditation? Because he knows I like to meditate and I was like, you know, I missed this morning. I did yesterday but I missed this morning. It's agitating when I miss yes, one of my habits. Yes. It's like, ugh, I That's, need to get up that,
1: earlier and yeah. That is exactly, what you just said. It it, it it just, it really agitates high performers when they're off their energetic habits. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the third big Per, uh, personal habit which by the way i've been teaching high performance for a decade uh, we have the number one seminar on that and uh, the number one online course and i was wrong i never knew this was the thing and you're gonna laugh because like duh dude i could have sat you down and <laughs> talk. but i just didn't know i, I knew I, I taught it as like a subtext but i didn't know it was the thing and that is high performers raise necessity and what that means is they raise the necessity of performance in their mind before each performance. They say, I got to do great. And they give themselves reasons why. So they're connected to their why. But it's different than just giving, like, know your why is nice. Know your why and give yourself edge for it. What do you mean? Let me give you an example. Two guys walking out on the track field. Mm -hmm. Who's going to win? Well, equal quality of experience, similar times, maybe they've raced before. The guy at the blocks who I'm going to bet on is the guy who came out and said, i got to do this for my mom. They have a reason to perform at heightened levels. Mm. And they have connected to that over and over. Now, again, some of this, duh, Brendan. But the finding, the research is they just do that more often than underperformers or even you know, good performers. Yeah. They're more connected to their reasons why, and they're stirring it, man. It's like, and they do it from two angles. One angle is your, 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 like your internal standards. Like, my values or my self expectations say, I got to crush this because that's who I freaking am. Yeah. Like, when you walk out, you're like, you're not going to, you know, screw around on when you're playing handball. You're like, yeah, yeah. this is who I'm, I'm loose. I'm an athlete. Yeah. I'm going to kick some ass here. <laughs> yeah. It's that self uh-huh. expectation. Okay. Then, though, they pair it with external obligation. Like my team needs me to do this. The deadline says this time there's there's some kind of external mm-hmm. they don't call it pressure, my family something bigger than themselves, something probably. bigger than themselves, yeah yeah, and that's what that was another thing I was surprised by. They don't say they they rarely use the word pressure because they want it, like people who use pressure they 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 don't want it, mm-hmm. but high performers I found they want they like they're connected. I'm doing this for a bigger cause, a bigger reason, a team. Or yeah, there's sometimes just like deadline. Like I'm I'm an unbelievably high-performing writer when there's a deadline. Yeah, I'm more a yeah, weapon, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before that, you know, I'm I'm not always on my game. Sure. So, but if you have those reasons, so you got to have your internal reasons and your external reasons and then your job is remind yourself of that more often. That's what's called raising necessity. And we were the first ones trying to kind of prove that with the data mm. and I was pretty stunned at that. Remember these three aren't like my opinion. You might say, "Yeah, yeah, these are whatever." I'm like, "But these ones are more important than everything else we measure." Really, these over a hundred different habits. These are the ones that move the needle. So, if you want to move the needle in your personal life, number one, seek clarity more often. Number two, generate energy with more consistency and will. And number three, raise necessity, raise the stakes before you go into any performance situation where that's that next sales call. Because you know it's easy. I think what high performers do, because of those three things, they're not going through the motions. She's not. There's more intentionality, Mm -hmm. more exerting of will, certainly more discipline. That's that's what's happening. That's why there's magic starting to happen. And then we compare it or combine it with the the social habits, uh, which we can walk through. And it was like, that's what makes it all come together. Mm -hmm. So what's the first social habit? Uh, Increased productivity. It's kind of like, no duh, high performers are productive dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, what the uniqueness is they've they're not just pushing more paper or checking more boxes cuz you know i b- both know a lot of people who you know their busy work isn't their life's work so they don't feel fulfilled from their productivity high performers are fulfilled from what they're accomplishing which is a big 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 measure and here's what they did they identified their primary field of interest which is a big deal then they identified what we call pqo prolific quality output which is what's the outputs that matter and get recognized and rewarded the most in this primary field of interest? And then they went all in at it. Mm-hmm. They became almost singular focuses. Like you know, when, when Jobs came back to Apple and got rid of all the product lines and said, these are what we're doing. That was prolific quality output. We're going to be prolific quality output on these things, not those. So it's important. Like for me, I thought for, there was this period of my life where I thought my primary field of interest was personal development. And that's what most of the world knows me for. I've never posted any marketing on my Facebook page Mm -hmm. in terms of like marketing advice. Uh, I teach that. That's way down in my funnel. My front, my YouTube, my podcast, um, Mm -hmm. Facebook, are all just personal development. So I really identified with that. And then I launched my first book, Life's Golden Ticket, which was my life's message. And it kind of bombed. It hit bestseller and then it died, you know, Mm -hmm. bam, pow. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it really bummed me out.
0: try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. h e slash L-E-W-I-S.
1: And I realized why. I said, you know what? I've been thinking my primary field of interest is personal development. And so I, fo- I, I did all the book. I read all the books. I went to all the seminars. I you know, studied with the gurus. I became friends with you know, Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. with the big names. That's what I thought it was. And then I had to make a shift. And I shift my primary field of interest to how to share a message. And it completely shifted.
2: Mm.
1: When I started learning, I was like, you know what? My primary field of interest needs to be is how to share a message. Because I already got the message. All right. And then I said well what's prolific in this area well what's prolific is is, is what's recognized in this particular area right at that time with this two thousand you know six seven online video mm. was just coming in I mean YouTube and Facebook were young YouTube was like two thousand four I think yeah. or two thousand five or something young like that. yeah young. and but what's mattering now is video and I, I went all in you know I've created thirteen online courses mm. because in my primary field of interest sharing that personal development message was everything so i learned how to share everything and i went from you know kind of a, a busted uh first book to in 18 months 4.6 million in revenue wow because i learned how to sell and i learned that sharing and selling a message was just as important because if you don't make the money you can't sustain the message i had the message but i wasn't making any money i was the poor broke writer dude and i was right, like right. so i shifted my primary field of interest and i went I got to understand marketing. I got to understand business and what's going to be prolific in those in what I'm doing now. And that's creating products to sell. Oh, I got to create more products, higher quality products. I showed you like my brochures and yeah, beautiful stuff, just like super branding, you know, all my books, uh, you know, I, I created, I did all, all the covers of all my books mm-hmm. and I obsessed about, it. I was like the, the look and the feel and stuff I didn't care about before. And that changed everything. So, what I tell people is if you want to increase, don't just get more stuff done. Get more of the right stuff done mm-hmm. and really go in on it. I mean, super obsessed about the quality and really focus. You know, it's that old saying, the main thing is, keep, is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Exactly, yeah. But you got, you very careful what your main thing is. That's tough. Because yeah. it, you know, and I, especially more abundance, high performers really struggle because you have, I mean, 50 doors. Opportunities. 50 doors and you want to take all of them. But you'd have to mm-hmm. cut yourself up into 50 places. Yeah. So you got to really identify what that means. The book helps people figure out what is that prolific? What's my primary field of interest really at this stage of my life? Mm-hmm. What's the prolific quality output I need to do here? And then it teaches them the habits during the day, you know, like block time, like how to set intention and release tension, how to know when to quit on stuff, all that's in, in that
2: book mm.
0: as well.
1: Powerful. So productivity, they know how to yeah. be productive on the right things. Yeah. Yeah. awesome this, no, this one is surprising the next habit is high performers develop influence more than those around them it's not because they're cool it's not i mean look at me what, <laughs> i'm not getting ahead on my cool factor here ladies right. i just got these these new nikes i those walk in the cool. store I, I walk in the store i was like <laughs> what's your newest shoe they're like these ones i'm like i need that and they're like why i'm like because Lewis has sneaks man i got <laughs> I, I i wear suits or I like I'm either on stage in a suit or, <laughs> or at my, you know, studio, kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of formal too. Sure, sure. Um, I was like, man, I got to get some sneaks. Oh, okay, I said, give me your newest sneak. So I'm not getting ahead on the cool. I don't develop influence cause I'm cool. It's not your personality that gives you influence. Yeah. It's how you treat other people. Mm-hmm. And specifically the way that people, high performers gain influence is, is this way too much? No, I'm I love I'm it. I'm, yeah. You know. Get it. How you they treat develop, other people. Here, here's how you do, here's how you develop influence. If you really want high level of influence. Obviously, you got to do all the basics, treat people nice, be kind. And in in the book, what I do is with each habit, I say, here's the basics. But then I go, here's what the needle mover practices are. The highest performing influencers, what they're doing, often they don't know they're doing it, by the way. The first thing they're doing is they're teaching people how to think. A lot of your show gained influence, I really believe, because you're really good at teaching people Mm, how to think. Thank you. You're shaping their mindset. But high performers are really doing it. Uh, explicitly and you do this too where you say here's how to think about that guys or high performing leaders tell their team here's how we should be thinking about ourselves here's how we should be thinking about the competition here's how we think about the future of the company they're saying it they're explicit more often here's how to think I mean the, 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 the what is it the seventh most read book in the history of the world is think and grow rich crazy it became that way because he taught people how to think about money we have to tell our audience how to think about things mm. The second thing they're doing is they're challenging people. And they're challenging the specific way. If you listen to a great orator, a great speaker, the pros, the one I know, I'm like, oh, this person studied speech before, is they challenge the audience in three ways. They challenge the audience's character. Then they challenge the audience's connections, their relationships. Then they challenge the audience's contributions, what they're giving. Hmm. You hit all three of those, the audience is like, I have to listen to her. I have to listen to him. Because not only are they shaping how I should be thinking, because maybe I was thinking wrong, but now they're pushing me, because, you know, it's just like a great coach. The greatest coaches, they're not just saying, throw the ball better. They're like, Lewis, you're a better man than that. Come on, man. Mm. They're saying, look, you're treating your team like crap. They're like, look, you're not contributing to the team here. That's a different challenge than just throw the ball faster or catch the, you know, so... I studied that from them, but those are the primary things. And the third thing, of course, is role modeling, you know, standing. I mean, if I, if I'm the bring the joy guy or I'm the honor, the struggle guy, or I'm the high performance guy and I'm off my game, Mm -hmm. people are going to know that. Yeah. So that's, I'm always trying to role model what I do, which is hard (laughs) when you're talking about high performance, because everyone thinks, well, don't you have a bad day? I'm like, dude, i I have bad moments. I wouldn't say bad days because I don't want to go to bed and feel like the day was bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I think that's why they're developing influence. And so much of this, when I talk about habits, I talk about a different way than other people. Most people talk about habits like they just want the tricks to make it easy. This book is full of deliberate habits, Mm. meaning you have to consciously think about these and consciously will them consistently. It's I mean... This book, I think, will be kind of something people return to life over and over and over because it's not ever going to be – I didn't want to write an easy book. I want to write a book that said this is the hard stuff, but if you do it, the payoff is there. Right. Yeah.
0: No, influence is one of the most powerful things. And if you can't influence or enroll people in your vision, then it's going to be hard to make the vision come to life. Yeah. That's it. And so there's certain elements of how to gain that influence and how to be a role model and be effective and step up and all these different things you need to do yeah. to continue to be an enrolling machine in your vision. Yes, yes. Whether you're working on a team, it's your business, it's whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but you've got to be supportive and enrolling to to influence people. Yeah. So I firmly believe that.
1: And for, I mean, we have a lot of friends mm-hmm. who are listening who do social media or they're in marketing positions or they're trying to grow their business or their brand. And I tell people, i oh, always you want, you want to make this podcast powerful? Look at the last six months and ask yourself, how strategic have I been in telling my audience what to think? How strategic have I been in challenging my audience? Mm. How strategic have I been in role modeling the actions, thoughts, and feelings I want my people to feel? And if you've been surviving and growing without that strategy, you're friggin' awesome and lucky. Now your next level of high performance is let's get more strategic That's what's going to change the game Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, you know, generating their influence. Mm Because people are like, how do you have 5 million on Facebook? I'm like, I'm strategic about those things. It's a lot of like how to think, a lot of challenge. Like I'm I'm constantly beating those because I also want people to do that for me. It's why I listen to your podcast. You do that for me. I listen to somebody, I was complimenting you, your your, uh, Sarah Blakely interview was just Mm -hmm. outstanding. And uh, that inspired me to think many ways differently. Yeah. You know, and you know, I both dear friends with Tony uh, Robbins, and (laughs) Robbins made his entire career on challenging people. Hmm. I mean, your first hour at his seminar, you've been challenged more (laughs) than you've probably been challenged last decade of your life. Sure. And so, you know, be strategic about that. And if you're leaders in the room, uh, stop placating your people. Like leaders, especially today, they want to be so popular with their people. And I say, popular is good, and that will come from kindness and role modeling the way but challenge your people more strategically. Yeah. That's why I get to work with, you know, I work at the Fortune 50 CEO level as a high-performance coach. Those guys, they don't mess around.
2: Yeah. When
1: they write that check to me, it's a quarter million dollars. Mm-hmm. They, if I don't get the result, I mean, in two weeks with them, if I don't start shifting them, I'm screwed. One of the first things I do with them, by the way, is I come in and I open up their calendar and we just start obliterating things on their calendar. Stuff that's not the main thing anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm constantly challenging them to return their focus to what matters. I'm constantly challenging them to challenge their teams. I'm constantly challenging them to be more optimistic or powerful or present, whatever it takes for that person. I get paid because I challenge people more. That's it. So that's what led me to be a high-performance coach. Mm -hmm. If I didn't, and by the way, that's not comfortable for me. I'm from Montana. Yeah. I mean, many of you guys listening who's been to my seminars, you meet my mom there. My mom's at my seminars. Mm-hmm. We are like the most laid back, like happy go lucky family you ever saw. Like my mom is, you know, what is she? 70 this year? Yeah, 70. And she's just she's spark plug. She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. Uh, so, but super, you know, like my family would never challenge somebody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I I right. didn't come from that. I had to learn that because if mm-hmm. I didn't do that, I wouldn't have the influence. I wouldn't achieve things. Mm-hmm. I think we need those challenges for ourselves. We need a challenge. It's like kind of like in a big
0: game. You need a challenge to be able to see how how great you can become. Yes, you need a, a competitor or you need something that you feel a little bit scared about or a little bit unsure about to see how you can rise up yes. to that challenge. And uh, if there is no challenge, we're never going to perform at the highest level. Yeah, I think it's, we got to constantly challenge ourselves if we want to step
1: into something new. Otherwise, we've developed a strength and a comfort zone of what we're comfortable with. So I looked at my my quotes i was like have i written much about greatness and i found this quote um that said you know the journey to greatness often begins the moment that challenge and contribution become more important than comfort and ease that's a good one yeah it's really good and so we have to challenge ourselves but the habit here the social habit is develop influence and you develop influence teach people how to think role model away and then make sure that you are challenging people in those three areas. Challenge yeah. their character. You got to do that delicately. The book teaches you how. Make sure you challenge relationships because that's so important and challenge people's what they're giving. And if you do that strategically enough, you know, part of your message in, in, in greatness is challenging people to follow their dreams. Yeah. You say it all the time. It's yeah. one reason I love your show. You're constantly challenging people to follow their dreams. And not just like, Hey, follow your dreams. Like, hey, do this. Yeah. I love that, you know? I think it's one of the reasons that the show is so awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So that's the fifth one, right? Yeah. And the sixth and final. Sixth and final one, demonstrate courage. And I think all personal development people, of course, you know? But they actually, high performers do demonstrate courage. Like, we can measure it from peer feedback we can measure it from their self-assessments we can measure it from uh, we have this thing called the high performance indicator assessment you take it you get scored on all six habits it's free on the internet um on the interwebs um but this one peaked when we did the research and i didn't know it and it is high performers are more willing to share their ideas their thoughts their feelings what they need what they want and they do it more consistently than their peers. Even when there's risk or uncertainty, um, uh, you do a great job. I know you have uh, the books coming out for you uh, talking about men and being vulnerable. That's demonstrating courage. That's, yeah. you know, when you're not conditioned that way or you're not used to that, you know, that it might not seem like a big deal, but it, it is. Yeah. You know, um, when you s- talked about me doing this interview, that was like, it might not seem like demonstrating courage to go on Lewis House, but it is because I admire you. And I also, I'm not used to sharing a mm. lot. You know, usually let the work speak for itself. Yeah. So I had to like, okay, I need to share, you know, be willing to share this in different and unique ways. Um, but I think for most people, it's when you were in your last meeting. Did you share for your ideas and fight for them? Did you share for your? Did you ideas? share your ideas and fight for them? Mm. When you wanted to post that video and you were scared to death because people are going to make fun of you, did you do it? And. When you wanted to tell your spouse that you're not getting what you need, did you say it? Because all those are demonstrating courage. It's not just, you know, courage we think pulling someone out of the river or something. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it. And we talk about the different kinds of courage in the book. But the ones that matter the most, move the needle the most, is sharing for and fighting for ideas. But also that vulnerability of sharing your wants, needs. I mean, high performers really communicate what they want. And you've probably seen this in networking opportunities. You meet somebody and they're like, I'm trying to meet this person. I'm trying to get that done. And they're not pushy with it. They're just clear. They're like, this is what I'm trying to do. And this Mm. is what I want. This is what I need. The highest performing relationships and marriages, we correlated marriage and demonstrating courage. And they stay together longer. Mm. When you're willing to tell your spouse, I don't like that. And work it through. That's hard for people. It's it's it, you know it's scary to put yourself out there or follow your dream or start a podcast or you know start the biz. That stuff is scary. Mm-hmm. Telling your boss something's wrong, you know, high performers report being whistleblowers more than anybody else
2: because mm-hmm.
1: it takes a lot of courage it to go. Does. My boss is doing something wrong. Right. Um, so we teach how to how do you get to that without all the hype? Like what do we know actually moves the needle in, in psychological courage, which has been actually measured a lot in academics. Mm, I love it.
0: I love the habits. And I know it, you guys should go get the book because there's a lot of research that backs all these and also steps and practices they can follow. Uh, yeah. So make sure you guys are getting this book. Thanks, um, I'm curious. I want to ask you a couple of personal questions. Yeah. What's the fear you have the most right now in your life? The
1: fear I have the most? Um, hmm, probably just, you know, anything ever happening to my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a very, very... You know, I'm a great son. I hope. You know, I lost my dad in 2009 to leukemia, and he was like my big mentor. And he got diagnosed on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Kind of woke up and walked in the hallway, and you know his back felt funny, and he kind of leaned against the hall, a little dizzy. And mom's like, "What's wrong with you?" Ah, I don't know. It's, big. it's kind of swollen back here. And they go to the doctor, and his um, his spleen was enlarged, which is bad news. It usually means you know uh, your body's kicking off stem cells that aren't good. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got diagnosed with AML, acute myeloid leukemia. And they said, you have a week to live. Now, he made it uh, 59 days. Wow. Um, the most important interview in my life was I called him. And I wrote down all these, like, 30 life questions. Uh, and I interviewed him. It was the first time I ever called somebody and recorded huh. anything. It was my first interview. It was still my most valued interview. So I called him and I asked him all these questions. Uh, was at the hospital? Because I was at a seminar. And I didn't know. Can I, and I said, Dad, I'm going to cancel the seminar. I'm going to fly He goes, don't. Just finish the seminar. Come over. Wow. Finish the So like day two or three of the seminar, I call and I interview him for, you know, I think 60 minutes that first night, another 60 minutes. And then I flew over there. But I got that recording. And uh, it just, I had such a great dad, and a great mom. People say, you know, you're so lucky, Brendan. I'm like, I, you know what? There's a lot of things I didn't luck out on. Worked hard. But I lucked out on the parent train.
2: Mm.
1: We grew up with nothing. Parents, you know, raising four kids, um, broke. But we had abundance. You know, we had love, and they believed in us. And my dad, uh, his seven messages to me in his life, which I try to share all the time. Actually, it's my most uh, uh, shared Facebook post ever. Mm. Um, This this particular post, every time I put up, it's been been viewed thirty million times. Wow! Uh, And just (laughs) my dad's thing. He said, "Be yourself." be honest, do your best, treat, uh, I'm sorry, take care of your family, treat people with respect, be a good citizen, and follow your dreams. Pretty good for me. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> so, uh, but losing him hmm. really made me connect with the rest of my family. Right. And so fear is just, you know, family. So I just want to... I don't want to lose people that I love. Mm. Um, you know, my whole story began when I learned that I that life is precious. You know, car accident, nineteen year old kid. I know you know the story, but mm. I've had uh, sort of mortality motivation my entire life. Since mm. I mean, I was lucky, nineteen years old kid realizing I'm going to die. I mean, I'm standing on the hood of a car, bleeding out after a car accident. I got death. Another time in my life, and it was the book of, I talk about in the book The Charge, I had a brain injury, wrecked to ATV, going 38 miles an hour, got taken to hospital, internal, I didn't know if we were internal bleeding, I'd snap mm. my wrist, broke my ribs, threw out my shoulders, Ugh. massive concussion, and uh, which I didn't know until later, caused a lot of troubles in my life, with my mm. brain, and, but I sat in the hospital for three hours because No one spoke any English there, and I didn't speak any Spanish. Wow! So they couldn't. When they, you know, the first thing when someone treats you is, "Are you allergic to any of the painkillers?" Right. (laughs) I couldn't answer the question. Like I don't know. So I lay there for three hours. This is 16 years after my first accident, and I was, you know, laying there, and the the lady keeps coming in and pressing on my chest cavity. That's checking for internal bleeding, and I knew that. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, okay, if this is, if this is my time did I live and did I love and did I matter, which was my intention after my first car accident. And I was happy with all the answers, but the number, so I'd lived my life, I was happy. But the number one thing I thought about that moment was, you know, my wife and just family. I just didn't, mm-hmm. you know, so I think yeah. my, my, it's not like I have recurring fears or debilitating fears, but I'm just, I just don't want to lose anybody I love anymore. Yeah. I've lost a lot of people. Um, two two days ago, um, Jess and I were actually here over at the hotel and I got a text from To your high school friend who just got diagnosed with um, pretty severe breast cancer and Mm. that stuff. You know, I just want to lose people.
0: Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this.
1: That's the thing that's challenging. Yeah, my dad's loss was huge. That was just a- awful, you know, because it was so fast. Yeah. And he'd been healthy. But AML just, you know, yeah. it just takes you. And so uh, I'm good with it because I've, so many people know my story of the yeah. second chance. Yeah. And they share all around the world. They're like, man, I, I was in an accident. I lost somebody too. And I hear all that and I'm. It's it's one thing when you're hearing it and you're, Coaching or advising is another one when it's your dad, you know, or somebody Enough you care fun. about. So. Yeah. What about your mission to the world? What is your mission? And what would you
0: like to achieve over the next? uh
1: You know, it's funny. It's, it's one of the things you said probably made you like, I don't know about this guy because I'm always hammering home one message. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, All he has is that story. I'm like, It's not that all I have is that story. It's I tell the story because that's my message. My message. When I tell my car accident story, the message that comes out of it is, at the end of your life, you're going to wonder if you lived a good life. And so you're going to ask yourself questions to evaluate, did I live that good life? Mm -hmm. My message is find out what those questions are for you. That's it. Because if you can identify, if you can think like, "What, what would I ask? How would I know if I lived a good life? You'd ask yourself questions. What questions would you ask? Because if you know your questions, then you get to wake up every day and you can live intentionally. So when you have to answer those questions, if you have a moment of cognition before you die and you ask the questions, you can answer them from a place of you know, connection, pride, heart, be like, I did, I, I am, I, I, you know, I want to affirmatively answer at the end of my life, I lived fully and I loved fully and I made my difference. That's what, that's what I asked that second time after the ATV accident. And so I learned I was going to ask at the first accident, hmm. um, you know, take my passport away. Well, all, every every time I out, <laughs> I'm out of the country, these one of these accidents happens. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm a little too adventurous sometimes, but I, <laughs> I, I, I've i learned that maybe sharing that message too often, people go, yeah, yeah, but I go, that's it, man. Hmm. You can't live with intention unless you know the questions you're actually going to ask at the end of your life. Hmm. People say, well, how, how do I know what my purpose is? Know how you're going to, Gauge your purpose at the end. You got to know the questions. As I tell people, identify four or five, 10 questions you'd ask at the end of your life to see if you're happy. And then l- wake up, look at those dang questions and do it live every day. Do it so every I do. Day. Tonight yeah. when I go to bed, it's the same thing. 21 years, I've never missed. I go to bed, my head bed, my head hits the pillow. I go, did I live today? Did I love today? Did I matter today? And it's not like I can be like, hey, Lewis, every night I'm, you know, I'm freaking awesome. And the answer is yes. I mean, there, I have bad days. But enough of them are yeses that I feel pretty good about my life. Mm. And so that's the message I want people to know. Mm. Find out what your questions are, live intentionally so you're happy with them at the end. Mm. That's great, man. Hmm. What are you most grateful for right now? Um. well one tactical one I'm so happy being done with the book dude. <laughs> it's the best feeling right <laughs> Oh my it's God. the best in the world <laughs> oh I'm so happy the book is done Um, I'm super grateful that that is you know because I you know a lot of my friends and family are like where did you go I mean literally three yeah, years yeah. Uh, we managed research teams the largest study ever I'm not an academic so to to put together a book like this you know 30 pages of resources and citations mm-hmm. to prove everything out with hardcore data analytics Honestly, it wasn't my strength, so it was exhausting. But it was what was required to serve at the next level, because I wanted corporate audiences to be able to take this assessment and go, "This is more rigorous than anything we've ever done." I wanted academics to love it. I wanted people who were entrepreneurs to go, "I see what I can do." I, it, I just there's so many moving things I wanted this book to hit on, but it also exhausted me because it was just constant. So I'm super proud to have that done, um, and and grateful for that, mm. having come to you know, coming to a book I'm proud of. Um, I'm extremely grateful for the patience and love of my family mm-hmm. in this particular project. It took me away more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually really grateful that I've gotten to know you better, mm. and getting this to be the first like in-depth conversation with yeah, it. Yeah, it's fun because I think that you're very talented at holding a space for people. Your team too, about holding a space for mm-hmm. people to just be like, "This is me. This is what I you know yeah. about." Yeah. Um, and then I would also. You know, I'm always grateful for the God for the second chance I got from the standing on the hood of the car. Like, I got it. Like, knowing that each day you get up and you, it's not, you know, self-help, psycho babble. It's like no. knowing that life is limited and you get a second chance every morning of, like, showing the world more of who you are. You know, breathing, mm-hmm. taking that walk with your love, just having that everyday kind of a new beginning. Um, I feel that in my career. I'm sharing that with you now. And by the time this comes yeah. out, you know, yeah. I'll have a new show out, the Brendan Show. Uh, I've never done that before. As a new opportunity, I'm grateful for the new opportunities. I think right now, you and I have the ability to share our messages farther and wider than we've ever had before. Mm-hmm. I'm super grateful that we're alive, like right now, at this time on the planet, when I think our messages really need to be heard when we're, you know, surrounded sometimes yeah. by a culture society polit- politics is so negative mm-hmm. to 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 have a platform to share something good right now. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. Mm. What's the habit that you realize you need war- more work on or that you can improve on yourself? Um definitely raising necessity. Uh, I think the challenge that you have when you're good <laughs> is that you're good. Yeah. So you're like, I'm doing pretty good already. Yeah. It's easy. <laughs> the, the better you get, the more expertise yeah. development you get, the easier it is to show up and go through the motions. Yeah. You don't have to prepare as much. You don't have to practice as much. You just get yeah, results. Whatever you're going to do is good enough. Yeah. But what happens with high performance, it eats at them because they know they got more in the tank mm-hmm. and they're like, you know what? That was good, but I could have got another. And it's not that they're dissatisfied. We take on that myth in this book. High performers are not dissatisfied. So people who say, never be satisfied they got to look at why they're saying that because it's not true because high performers are satisfied. They're they're striving satisfied. Doesn't mean they're not striving for the next big thing, want to become better, but they're happy. Mm -hmm. High performers are happier than all of their peers. I mean, by significant, almost double digits. So it's really significant. Um, But I think for me, I need to constantly be reminding myself like, okay, what is the reason you need to perform really well right now? And I need to be more consistent about that question. Um, So I set up triggers in my life to do that, you know, Um, from every time I stand in line, I have a line trigger, I have Mm. door triggers, Mm. I have phone triggers, you know, so when I stand in line, I always say, what level am I right now in terms of my presence and energy? Scale one to ten. One, I suck, I'm dead, I'm not even alive, not even feeling grateful, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Ten, I'm like, I'm vibrant, I'm joyous, here I am. Um, And I I rate myself consistently on that, and it, it just... Retouched me like the knee, I, I want to feel it's necessary to be grateful. I want to feel it's necessary to be great. I want to feel it's necessary to do my best, but I, you don't get that without reminders. So you got to set up alarms or triggers or some, you know, note cards around that, whatever it is it takes for you to have that. But I know for me, Ray's after the research, I didn't get how, I mean, I mean, you're talking from every athlete to every high CEO, to, this is what they did. There and I didn't find this. I, you'll see all the questions I asked them in the book. I really had to dial into their psyche. Mm. And when we found that, I was like, is that a thing <laughs> that they'd really, that's, I mean, but they all do. And so it inspired me to level. I'm like, I'm going to raise my necessity and I'll, I'm going to practice everything in the book to get that up a little higher. Mm, I like that. Yeah. What's the first thing you're going to raise
0: in the necessity in um, terms of
1: your business or relationships or health or what, whatever uh, your life? I would say, uh I'm going to raise necessity on probably at this point in my life, sharing more. And we talked about that yeah. this morning because yeah. I never, it never, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. I, I made my whole career training. Here's mm-hmm. a problem. You, you're dealing with disappointment. You're dealing with stress. You had a fight with your you know, lover. You don't feel fully charged. You don't feel connected. You don't feel like you're contributing. Here's the answer. Steps one, two, three, and four, because I knew that from the research mm-hmm. or from my coaching experience, but I didn't share a lot into that. Yeah. And I probably need to read your book, Mascul- Masculinity. Maybe yeah. maybe there's something there. I don't yeah. know. So I just didn't feel like it was necessary to share yeah. Brendan. So I'm demonstrating courage, I hope, by making a show called The Brendan Show. Because right. I feel like for me to be able to pull that off without feeling like I should be punched in the face, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to like demonstrate the courage of like I'm going mm. to raise the necessity to share more. Mm. Yeah. You're going to own it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Final question. Final
0: couple questions. Well, before I ask them, is there any question you have for me, or anything you wish I would have asked you so far?
1: Anything? I wish you? No, man. This is awesome. Uh. Now, question for you. Which of which of those you know habits mm. would you work on? And- <sighs> I mean, every one of them. But I think courage. I think mm. it's always being courageous
0: to say what I think, to uh, do the the things that are the right things, and not hold back in any way because i'm afraid of hurting someone i'm afraid Mm -hmm. of upsetting a situation or i'm afraid of looking bad or whatever it may be whatever the fear may be in that moment so i think courage stands out for me the most right now um i would say and then i think necessity would be the next one it's Mm -hmm. like constantly like challenging myself to be a more prepared in situations. Cause a lot of times I just go on stage and I just like, I really haven't prepared anything on 10 minutes before. I'm like, what do I do? And then I just, I figure it out and I go and cause we've had so many reps. Yes. Yes. You know, you're way better than me on stage, but it's like, I've had, you know, eight years of reps now of training that I'm yeah. like, I can do good. I can do 80% and it gets a great result. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then afterwards I'm like, I just know I didn't give everything that I should have.
1: Yeah. Like, I got a tip for you on that one. Yeah. Uh, knowing your work legacy. Mm hmm here's your challenge your back your backstage trigger every time you walk on the stage go if this footage is the last of me ever that's a good one i like that one that's there, a good one is there recording? how are you going to show up yeah, yeah. if that, i do that every time what are i'm going to say how are you going to show is, up this is if even if because if, sometimes i'm not prepared just like you i mean i hit five cities but you know here's 20,000 people in this arena here's 2,000 at my event you know thousand bucks a ticket the expectation oh, yeah. insane so I got to be prepared for sometimes but sometimes I don't have to be prepared because you know it's something I'm doing is mm-hmm. for somebody else uh, so it's easy to show up and not give so it's like because legacy is so important Fair to you speak. I'm like even if you're not prepared if it was the last footage ever boom that's good yeah you give your best you know you
0: do your best so those would be for me um, cool well final qu- uh, one Two questions. The first one is called The Three Truths. Mm-hmm. And you've written many books already. Number one New Times bestseller. You've sold millions of copies. You've done The Brendan Show now. You've done everything you've ever wanted to do. You've created it. And this is the last day 70 years from now for you, mm-hmm. right? Theoretically. Mm-hmm. You've done everything. Any mm-hmm. dream, any raising the necessity, you did it, achieved it. Mm. Like nothing else you can do. Yeah. You've conquered whatever you wanted to conquer. And everything's been erased for whatever reason. Every piece of content you put out there, all your followers have nothing to see of yours. No books. Sci-fi novel. No no photos (laughs) on Facebook or Instagram. You have a piece of paper and a pen to write down your three final truths. So this would be your last message to the world. Yes. And the only thing that's recorded are what you write down as three truths back to the world. I kind of have an idea of what you might already say, but what would those three things yeah. be? Well,
1: I'll tell you what you know I'm going to say, yes. but then I'll answer it in a different way too. Perfect. Um, for me, it would be live, love, matter. And it'd be something around those truths. Because mm-hmm. like, at the end of your life, what I found, uh, you know, it, 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 it's hard to give perspective to this, but for 20 years, I've been telling people to find those questions. And no matter what, and I, I don't know if you know this, but I volunteered in hospices for a decade. Mm-hmm. I've been with a lot of people in their last... Moments, weeks, and months—I've been—I've been around a lot of that in my life, because I wanted to see if what I experienced on that car was what other people experienced. And in, in some ways, it was. In some ways, at the end, we all wanted to know: Did I live? And how that was? And did I love? And did I matter? Um, but hopefully, that wouldn't be erased. But uh, you know, if if it's related into greatness, I say number one: like the truths are knowing that, you know, outside of those, the truth is life will never be joyous unless you bring the joy. I really feel like that. So many people are waiting to have happiness and they're just, they're waiting to like, well, maybe when my boss loosens up, I'll loosen up. Or, you know, when, 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 when she's vulnerable, I'll be vulnerable. Or it's like, we're waiting for something. I'm like, it's not, your life will never be what it is going to be unless you bring that thing. You know, for me, I wanted, to be, uh, I wanted to be more bold in my life. That was one of my goals because I wasn't that, you know, I wasn't that guy who would just like go out and do the things I do now. So I made gold like, a, I was like, bold is an intention. I set it as an alarm on my phone. My alarm would go off three times a day and bold would pop up. And I conditioned myself over seven years to be more bold, which is a big deal for me. Um, and because I wanted, I wanted that, I had to learn how to bring that. So whatever you want in life, you got to bring it. I would say the number two honor the struggle. Like so many people bemoan the hardship Mm -hmm. and they hate it. And I would say, you know, anything you, you, anything you apply hate to quickly dies. You got a dream and you're hating the process. You apply hate to the process. The dream's going to die. You know, it's like, don't, don't, you know, be very, be very careful of what you put hate or things to. And most people do that with hardship. And I've always seen hardship. as like, I'm going to honor this process. Sort of, it's a little samurai mentality. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to honor that this is difficult because that is precisely what's needed. Yeah. And then the last truth would be you'll never feel good about life unless you serve and connect with other people. Because you can do the first two. But if you're not serving and connecting with other people, you'll never feel good about life. Mm -hmm. You might have a good life, right? Have the good life. You could make a lot of money taking advantage of people. People do that. Right. But you'll never feel good about life unless you serve and connect with other people. And a lot of and one of the things in, in courage just came to my mind that we found from the research we kept digging down about courage. courage. courage ultimately comes from curiosity. Which is such a weird thing. I didn't know that either. But you don't you can't courageously connect with other people unless you're like, I'm curious to what they would think about this or well, I'm curious about them. You, you'll never try something new unless you're like, I'm curious to how that turn out. Mm-hmm you wouldn't go for the you know the the gold at the stars and just like i'm curious if i can do it like you have to you have to wonder like is that possible and so part of i think people's next development is being more curious about what happens if you did serve at a bigger level because the truth is you never gonna feel good about life unless you do
0: wow there you go make sure you guys get the book high performance habits go get it on amazon barnes and noble or brendan.com, correct brendan.com. Yeah. is that the best place absolutely um at Brendan everywhere or Brendan Bouchard everywhere? at, everywhere, at yeah. Brendan Bouchard everywhere at Brendan Bouchard everywhere on social media, you are taking over the world, my friend, and it's uh, it's good to be connected and, and learn more about everything you're up to, and I'm I'm here That's to support. So, thank you. Uh, final question is: What is your definition of greatness? Man,
1: I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard so many of your guests do it, and I was like, man, I'm not sure what I would would even what what I would say about that. Um, But I do think, the I wrote a little bit about this in the Motivation Manifesto because I was really like, Mm. what is that thing? And I think it's achieving your own sense of personal freedom. Whatever it is, uh, I define personal freedom as the ability to be oneself fully and the ability to pursue things that are deeply meaningful to you. I think that's when you find freedom. Now, that's my definition, Uh but I think when if you get to the end of your life, like, I I lived freely you know or I loved freely or I, I did my thing it was like when you feel that you're 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 living your own personal freedom whatever that means I think that's magical so I don't know if I have the the answer for everybody else but you know for, for me it's when I feel free in life it's I'm being myself fully and I'm doing things that I deeply care about mm. like this right now I feel free right now this is great Right? That's how I would say. There you go. If I'm being myself and I love what I'm doing right now, I feel great. Sure, sure. There you go. Brendan Thank Thanks my so minute. much, man. Appreciate having it.
0: Me. There you have it, my friends. I hope you feel greater after listening to this interview with Brendan. As much as I have learned from him, I hope you guys continue to learn from him as well. Make sure to pick up a copy of his book, High Performing Habits How Extraordinary People Become That Way. And if you enjoyed this, episode please share it with your friends lewishouse.com slash 538 you can also watch the full video interview behind the scenes photos resources links at lewishouse.com slash 538 go there right now you can tweet out all the quotes from brendan and all the other stuff that you missed or didn't take notes on it's all back at the show notes Make sure to tag me on your Instagram story, at Lewis Howes, and also Brendan Bouchard. Let him know what you thought about this as well, as I'm sure he'd love to connect with you on social media. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. You have the power to create the life that you want. You have all the tools available for you. This podcast, use it as a resource. Use it. It's completely free, guys. I'm bringing you the most inspiring and helpful individuals on the planet to help you optimize your business, your relationships, your health, your life, your mindset, spirituality. It's all right here. So if you enjoyed this, please share with your friends. And as William Shakespeare said, be as great in act as you have been in thought. Thank you again to Brendan for being on here and thank you all for listening. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.
1: At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently acapella.edu.